You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clanergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the driven. And joining me as usual, but slightly under the weather, is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, I'm, I hear you've joined the crowd and got the virus. <laughs> yes, you know, I must admit, <laughs> sorry, a bit wheezy, but uh, yeah, no, um, my wife had it last week and try as I may, you know, I felt a bit of empathy, so I got it off her. And um, yeah, but uh, you know... You could have just put the food under the door, you know. <laughs> well, there was there was a bit of due diligence, I have to say. Um, but you know, damn, 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 yeah. damn. So damn, I'm, supposed damn. To, I'm, I'm actually supposed to be in Brisbane today, and then or on Wednesday, and then on Friday I'm supposed to be in Townsville for another event. So I'm missing out on all sorts of great stuff. So it sucks a bit, but you know, I'm up it to date on. I'm up to date on my next Netflix subscription. Oh, well, thank goodness for that. But you <laughs> did manage to go. You did manage to go to the Solar Pioneers thing. I think it's um, that happened since we last talked. We talked about it beforehand. Um, how was it? Look, um, it was actually really good. It was really good. And, and, Surprise and, me. No. <laughs> you know, I'm, at the risk of sounding rude, you know, the prospect of spending a night with a whole bunch of aging people talking about how good the good old days were can be a little bit, you know, trepidatious. Um, But what was really good was that you're reminded that there are so many lessons that can be learned because we've made so many mistakes and we've learned so much along the way. So, you know, it was really inspiring. It was really inspiring. And when when you hear the stories, man, you just go, oh, man. You know, Australia rocks in this solar game. We really do. We have some of the best people in the world. We've done pretty much everything that's doable. Um, we're surrounded and, and, and graced with hundreds of solar pioneers who've got, you know, decades and decades and decades of experience. So, no, it was just absolutely wondrous, let alone, of course, the opportunity to catch up with some wonderful, wonderful people, old friends. Well, that's great news. That's great news. Um, you got some recordings. I think you actually sort of posted um, a story um, for us um, on uh, One Step Off the Grid, and I think there's some photos and a link to some some recordings, some interviews. So um, um, if anyone's interested, um, hop into hop into that. Nigel, what news? There's been a bit of news around. Um, geez, on politics, we must be getting pretty close to an election being called in the federal election. We've seen the South Australian Liberal government disappear. Get completely, yeah. completely rolled, despite being sort of outrageous, unbackable favourites about six months ago. So um, that just shows you what happens when um, COVID comes along and um, bites into your um, voting majority. If that was the reason, um, yeah. it had nothing to do with energy, which is you know is interesting. Actually, just a little bit of a shout out to Dan Van Holst Pelican, um, who for four years was the energy minister in South Australia, and by all accounts, and um, in my view, did a pretty good job. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the ball now handed back to Labor with uh, Tom Coots and Tonus. 
uh, the Energy Minister, and look forward to seeing what he comes up with, um, particularly in the management of some of these sort of you know, rooftop and distributed um, energy uh, issues. I mean, South Australia is at the forefront of that. I don't think there's going to be any stopping the construction of wind and solar farms, but I guess the management of rooftop solar and distributed resources, plus things like the various strategies on hydrogen, are going to be the things to watch in this um, in this uh, in this new government. Yeah. Yep. Uh, look, I mean, uh, disappointing news today. Unsurprising, but disappointing news to see that the federal government isn't providing any support for any action on climate change whatsoever. Uh, it seems. Uh, in fact, it's going backwards. Yeah. Absolutely, going backwards. Yes, that's mm, right. Yeah, mm. and that was the um, that was the focus of the uh, G20, uh, a Bloomberg uh, New Energy Finance report, um, which came out before the budget or at the same time as the budget. Um, and just pointed out over the last year, Australia is one of the few countries to actually go backwards in climate things. So, um, well done, Angus. Well done, Scott. Um, yeah. May, may, yeah. may these be your last achievements. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, Gus got. Gus has had a bad week. Geez, between uh, between uh, between everything else and him trying to, you know, uh, turn Arena into a fossil fuel, uh, another fossil fuel funding source, uh, that didn't go down too well. And he got uh, he didn't get that through, um, courtesy of his own party, in fact, who even recognised what a dumb idea it was. So Gus has, yeah, Gus has got some tough times ahead, I reckon. Well, that's right. Well, um, hopefully only five weeks of tough times ahead, um, although things may follow afterwards, depending on what sort of um, happens. Um, of course, you've got a big slap down on the emissions reduction fund. Uh, basically, everyone thinks that some of those uh, credits are um, um, less than additional. Um, so um, um, that's not very good. And this whole, the whole, just, just the interference and the changes just makes everyone just sort of shake their head and just think, what the hell are these guys doing? What the hell are these guys up for? Anyway, let's get back to the solar industry. Um, Nigel, just talking about South Australia, there's a bit of a uh, survey out from the APVI, um, using uh, data from solar analytics, talking about the amount of curtailment that happened with some households, uh, in Adelaide on the low voltage network up to 20%. Is there, any, is there really an excuse that that sort of thing should still be happening? Or is it just really the fact that um, there's some inverters which are just not operating too well in those areas? Well, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't dug into that report in great detail yet, although I know that, uh, as usual, we provide a lot of the data behind those things. And, in, in fact, we picked up on a frequency event in WA the other day as well. So, you know, this is the, this is the power of big data and the power of, uh, you know, monitoring in scale, which, which companies like ours can bring. Um, um, but, you know... Uh, it, I guess the short version is, you know, networks have a lot of work to do to upgrade their abilities and their capacities to be smart. And, you know, dynamic export control that we've talked about for a long time, which is now slated for the end of the year, I note. Um, uh, so dynamic export control is finally going to come in and then people will have the ability, the option uh, to choose technologies that instead of curtailing the system in totality, uh, will simply allow them to, you know, 
change their load profile and uh, use their solar in more constructive ways rather than just a crude switch. So, you know, I think there's still a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, I'm with you, and, and I think SAPN have uh, uh, and, and, and the networks in South Australia have been working hard towards getting uh, more up-to-date and dealing with these issues. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a long 30 years, Giles. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> on 30 years. Look, some good news um, came out of SunDrive. Um, this is this new um, solid technology uh, company that's been uh, backed by people like Mike Cannon-Brooks. They came out with new efficiency um, records um, for a new technology using copper rather than silver. So they reckon that could be... Uh, well, uh, copper doesn't uh, is more abundant, is cheaper. So if you've got um, higher efficiency um, or high efficiency with uh, copper um, in the modules, then that should, in theory, pave the way for lower cost solar, even further, even lower cost solar in the future. So fantastic to see. I mean, you would have um, at that dinner um, a couple of weeks ago with the solar pioneers, been there with a lot of people who've made very important discoveries and very important inventions and developments in the solar industry, and it's good to see that it's still going. Uh, uh, indeed, and and it's that kind of pioneering spirit, you know. That that's exactly what it's all about. It's you know a couple of guys in a garage somewhere in Sydney, you know, really using everything that they've got. And and you know, um, David Mills, who who um, is kind of the father of uh, uh, solar thermal in Australia, if you like, and an amazing guy. Um, he had a wonderful invention that he talked about at great length, a solar panel made up of all these really intricate reflecting surfaces and, you know, uh, all that. And he had this little sample with him, uh, and told a wonderful story about how it sort of looked like it was going to go into production. And then he did, it didn't, he went to the U S and, he was at a dinner and someone looked at him really strangely and said, you've got to come and meet our investors. And they all looked at him strangely and said, we, we were told you were dead. And, and uh, we've been using your technology, so we're really excited that you're not dead because you're one of those people who's sort of set the groundwork for all these future developments. developments. And Martin Green told similar stories about how you know, uh, uh, the work that uh, that was done in UNSW is set the groundwork. So, you know, fantastic to see the guys in Sydney uh, uh, continuing that um, that great tradition of Aussie innovation. Indeed, indeed. In fact, on that point, it might just be a good time to take a word from one of our sponsors. SunWiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz now offers a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers. Differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation that builds referrals. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. And of course, we'd like to thank all our sponsors on the Solar Insiders podcast, uh, Solar Analytics, Clenergy and SunWiz. Nigel, I'm going to take you, let you take the lead here. Um, even though you are sort of COVID afflicted, you've actually sort of got what I understand is a coherent list of stories to talk about. And I'm sitting here in my car in the rain on a side street in Katoomba without any uh, internet connection, can't get my laptop working, so I haven't got a clue what's going on. So. Oh, well, yeah, there, there are a couple of interesting things. Uh... 
uh, just a couple of quick tidbits. The, the, the Bin Him campaign has gone a bit viral, which is kind of cool. Uh, this was uh, uh, kicked off by the Smart Energy Council. It was spun off into a different organisation as a result of some kickback. Uh, and lo and behold, um, uh, what they were doing was producing sp- uh, stickers that you could put on your bin uh, with a big photo of our Prime Minister hurling a, a lump of coal around in Parliament. Um, and, um, you know, it was kind of chugging along okay, but uh, the um, national or state, I'm not sure, but the st- uh, mem- uh, one of the senior Liberal Party members who also happens to be the mayor of Hornsby Shire. Philip, uh, Ruddock, the for- Philip Ruddock, the former Attorney General, yes. That's it, A masterpiece, yes. a masterpiece of political strategy. Masterpiece, masterpiece, because he, he told, he saw, he apparently... He became aware of one on someone's bin, and they said, well, we're not going to pick your rubbish up uh, because you've got that <laughs> sticker on the bin. And uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, suffice to say, the Bin Him campaign has now gone viral. Uh, they've never sold so many stickers. I've ordered mine. Uh, we've ordered ours? Yeah, as a result of that, I went, oh, I'm up for a bit of that. Uh, get me some of those stickers. So I'm eagerly awaiting uh, seeing if my local council... Uh, threatens me uh, by cutting off my garbage deli- uh, my garbage collection. So uh, I thought that was a great story this week and shows actually the power of uh, a simple message. So that was that was a beautiful thing. Uh, um, the other one, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, as a little side story, um, and I won't go into lots of detail about this, but there was um, a really interesting little YouTube video I s- stumbled across actually about solar uh, Spanish solar investors, and it's really worth having a look at what's going on over in Spain. As we know, Spain was a huge market for um, solar, uh, particularly going back 10, 15 years. There were lots of promises about feed-in tariffs, which prompted a lot of landowners and farmers to actually get together and go, hang on, this is an opportunity for us to make other income streams off our land, off our farms. And a lot of them invested their personal money and their family's money in putting up um, solar farms. Um, As a consequence of changes to that program and you know, some less than ideal management by the Spanish government. It was hugely oversubscribed, threatened to send the government bankrupt, and so they cut back the feed-in tariffs. Now, of course, the impact of that is that, according to press releases, uh, 62,000 Spanish solar investors are on the verge of bankruptcy. And there were some tragic tales told about, you know, family investors who um, put up millions and millions of dollars to put these farms up to make a, a reasonable return based on government promises. And um, it sort of talks to the fact that, you know, policies do need to be developed very carefully. They need to be managed carefully and, um, um, uh, you know, not used as a pure political tool without thought for the consequences. And, um, you know, hopefully that will... Uh, pan out in a in a in a half reasonable way for all those people. There's a lot of work going on to do that. The other one that I wanted to mention, uh, Giles, was that um, you know e- even uh, you, we've talked a bit about the semiconductor supply shortage. It's been affecting the automotive industry and lots of technology industries around the world. We've heard it creeping into the solar industry. And unfortunately, Solar Analytics was hit with this. Uh, our manufacturer advised us um, uh, about a week ago now that unfortunately the semiconductor shortage has hit us now. 
uh, our supplier um, in particular was hit with a semiconductor supply shortage on the 4G chips that we use or the 3G, 4G chips that go into the hardware that we use in our classic solution. And unfortunately, due to a whole bunch of glitches in uh, predominantly China where those chips are made, and a global run on semiconductors, and it also it also goes if you go right upstream, it also goes back to some of the problems with some of the um, uh, semiconductor manufacturers. There was a big fire in a factory some about a year or so ago, and you know there've been a number of problems with uh, COVID, of course, over in China. And so, anyway, the short. The, the, the long and the short of all of that is that we can't get 4G, or our manufacturer, our supplier can't get 4G chips. So uh, we're currently uh, out of hardware um, and can't supply any more hardware uh, for the time being. So the little widget that's sitting in your switchboard is uh, maybe it's like a Tesla at the moment, Giles. On the second-hand market, it might be worth more than you paid for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 uh, the good news is, of course, uh, what it's made us do is go, well, we've got to double down on our inverter integrated solutions and we've already got a couple out there and we've got more coming. And so we've actually launched a campaign to uh, kind of compensate our customers and say, look, even though we can't supply hardware, which we really want to do, um, and now's as good a time as any to consider switching over to inverter integrated, which doesn't require our hardware. It uses the inverter hardware. And so we, we've actually launched a, a really special deal. So for any dealers out there who were affected, we're really, really sorry. We want to help you, but we can't until we get supply back. But in the meantime, we can help you with an incredible deal on uh, inverter integrated subscriptions. Well, that's interesting stuff. Um, there's been a few lockdowns in China, Shenzhen, and um, more recently Shanghai. Is that going to have any sort of impact on um, on solar supplies and logistics and just transport and stuff? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And in fact, uh, when we uh, when I started chatting to a few of our, uh, our sort of uh, partners around the industry, they all kind of rolled their eyes and went, "Well, yeah, no, no, no. I have a battery manufacturer who's had to delay." the release of one of their products for something like 12 months uh, as a mm. consequence of uh, supply shortages. I know of uh, an inverter manufacturer who's struggling to get components at the moment. So it is um, um, it is a rocky road at the moment. There are bumps and lumps all along the way, and whether it's COVID or the consequences of COVID or the consequences of the semiconductor um, uh, constraints in the industry, um, it's going to stay rocky for a while. And, and, and of course, the as you say, the COVID lockdowns in China right now are having a, quite a profound effect in all sorts of ways, and they're already affecting commodity prices, as we know. Mm, mm. Um. Oh damn! I had something. Um, <laughs> it's in the front of my gone. brain, man. It's just—it's—it's it's gone. I thought it was gone. <laughs> Don't get me. I'm in the you, COVID you've fog. You've got to rescue me. You've got to rescue me. What the heck was it? Oh, uh, dear. I'm gonna, while you're while you're pondering that, I'll throw to the latest episode of Great Solar Business that we put out last week. Uh, Ground man. Oh, the flat earthers. The flat earthers. Oh, the... I called them. <laughs> 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 it was a pun. I like that. It was quite good. But it was a really interesting interview. I learned an awful lot in that one. So if you haven't listened to the latest episode of uh, Great Solar Business about how to mount solar panels directly on the dirt, uh, the flat earth mob, uh, earthos, uh, it was really interesting. <laughs> I learned a few things in that, in, in that interview. So that was kind of cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, look, my, 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 my conversation pistol hasn't come back to me um, 
uh, okay. Nigel, so you're going to have to march well, on there. I'm going to march on uh, because there are a couple of pretty important stories in Crap Solar this week. Um, oh. There was a solar panel delisting, M-Square. Uh, now, M-Square have come up on our radar before. In fact, I mentioned uh, sort of... Uh, the fact that they were claiming to be Australia's other solar manufacturer. Uh, and, in fact, I mentioned that um, on a whim, I went and knocked on their factory door one day, uh, oh, six, nine months ago, probably more. I don't know. It's COVID time. It's like dog ears. Who knows how long it's been? But I went and knocked on their factory door and actually did have a look at their factory. Um, mm-hmm. um, very, very small, very basic facility, but a facility nonetheless. So they were, in fact, making some panels in Australia. Um, Assembling or making? They had a stringer and they had a laminator and they had a um, uh, so they had the, the, the basics of a, an assembly line. Now it was very simple, it was very basic. it was um, I'm going to say lacking in what looked like genuine quality. Um, but you know to their credit, they were having a crack, right? So I give them credit for having a crack. Um, however, um, the CEC announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, unless there was uh, an objection by them and an appeal by them that could overrule the decision, that all their modules were going to be delisted effective on March the 28th, which is two days prior to this podcast. Now, um, being a member of the um, product advisory panel, I'm an industry rep on that panel, um, we have not had, I have not been contacted to assess an appeal, which is the standard process. So by my understanding, there has been no appeal made by M-Square and thus, uh, effective the 28th of March, you can no longer get STCs on M-Square solar panels. Now, um, the detail of this, we don't know. Um, we don't know why they were delisted. Um, all that we know, according to the official uh, public information, is that there were breaches of the approved PV module terms and conditions. So whatever they've done um, was enough to get them delisted pretty pretty promptly, it would appear. And, uh, and secondly, for whatever reason, they haven't even appealed it. So they're off the market. Well, that's, pretty, that's a very bit of piece of interesting news. Um, we used to get quite regular um, reminders from them that they were um, that uh, Tyndale Solar were not the only solar manufacturers in Australia; that they were there as well. Um, as you say, um, much smaller, uh, but um, no more, no more. Um, speaking no more. of rules and regulations, Nigel, um, how were you all set up for the uh, changes in the STC rules? Oh boy, that's like a day or two away. Uh, oh no, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. It's uh, I'm the wrong guy to answer that. In fact, and, and I'm uh, I'm it's only, I'm going to blame the COVID fog for not having uh, done a little bit more research and talked to a couple of retailers about that. But uh, by the next episode, I will have done that and uh, talked to people about how. In fact, it was one of my goals while I was uh, on on, the, on uh, I was supposed to be at Sea of Brisbane today and Sea of Brisbane uh, Townsville on Friday, and it would have been one a great topic topic to, to talk to people about. So I'll come back with something in the next one. Absolutely. A little bit, Netflix, a little bit less Netflix over the next couple of weeks, uh, Nigel, uh, <laughs> as you get over COVID. <laughs> well, the good news is I know, ask me any question about the Russian oligarchs and the last czar, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all over it. Um, the other one that was the other one that was interesting, uh, I thought, was uh, there was a recent suspension. There hasn't been a suspension of an approved solar retailer for quite some time, but 
I did notice today that um, Sun Life Energy, who are publicly named on the CEC's website, have been suspended for three quite severe uh, breach, uh, oh. three severe breaches, and three major breaches. Um, uh, and and you know this is. <sighs> I'm going to say it. I've said it a million times before. I'm going to say it again. The approved solar retail program is 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 not perfect. Um, oh. However, uh, what it it does enable is the ability to pull companies out of the market effectively. They can't sell into Victoria or other markets or, or do other things where you need to be an approved solar retailer to sell. Um, and um, it does enable uh, some some genuine, you know leverage over these companies if they do the wrong thing and in this case um you know pretty telling false and misleading statements failure to provide a compliant contract failure to have system design variations documented signed off by the customer failure to take remedial actions to warrant the performance of the system failure to be responsive to and to deal appropriately with consumers and failure to provide the requested documentation and information. So these are exactly the kinds of issues that we want retailers held account to. And like it or hate it, the ASR has the ability to yield a stick over these types of issues. And uh, and you know I don't know Sun Life Energy. I have uh, no no view on it. Um, but these are severe breaches. They're major breaches, and it has resulted in a suspension. Now, as I've also said before. The opportunity here is for any solar company who gets suspended to respond, to learn something from it, to take action internally, to face up to the fact that they may have made mistakes and to deal with it and to and to fix those things so that they can then be reinstated. So this is a suspension. It's not a, a complete, uh, they're not out forever. Um, uh, they have the opportunity to respond. And that is the other great thing about the ASR program is that for those retailers who do make mistakes, and, and let's face it, everyone makes a mistake every now and again, for those who do make mistakes, there's an opportunity to learn something and come back, and that's where the ASR program can also help. So, I think um, I think it's um, uh, an, an example of how it is a good program. Oh, good stuff. I thought I'd like to mention um, another new solar retailer, the RACQ. They've jumped into the market and bought a majority shareholding in GM Energy, GM Energy, which is a pretty interesting move. We saw the RACV do that a little bit uh, a couple of years ago down in Victoria, uh, and that's been yeah, a very successful move. Gippsland Solar, yes. Gippsland yes. Solar, and Andy McCarthy's been sort of um, kicking goals ever since, um, probably enjoying the extra funding profile that comes with such an investment. So that's really interesting. The RACQ has done the same thing um, in Queensland, got really out a solar and um, battery offering so um, I'm not too sure what this means for the sort of competition in the market but um, it's a pretty interesting development I think it's I think it's a real sign of uh, maturity in the industry actually to see you know non-solar entities jumping in and making these acquisitions um, mm. or, or you know taking up a large equity majority equity stake in in the case of uh, gem energy you know gem have been around for a long time and uh, you know good good on you Jack Jack Hooper's uh, a really really interesting character and and has some um, uh, has done some great things with gem energy over the years and has managed to keep that business alive uh, through hell and high water and um, you know to see them 
uh, attract an investor of, 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 of that ilk is, is wonderful. And, of course, the benefit that it brings is that, you know, not only a nice big uh, parent company uh, but also a, a terrific uh, database of, uh, of subscribers that they can leverage into. So, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a real sign of maturity in our industry that, you know, an entity like RACQ or RACV um, would make an investment in a solar company. Hmm. Good stuff. <coughs> Come on, this year. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Just sort of. Um, the most I've spoken in 48 hours. Sorry. Oh, look, it's. Um... Just hope we're having a good recovery. Um, what else have you got on the agenda there, Nigel? Um, are we about to go into sort of EV land, or are we, uh, we've got another couple of solar things to tick off? Uh, no, um, uh, pretty much that's everything on my agenda, Giles. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I think um, looking around the industry, and I was looking at uh, Warwick's numbers the other day, I, I think... You know, everyone's um, still sort of lumping and bumping their way through the first half, and just hoping to get to uh, uh, get to the second half of the year is is the sort of impression that I get. Um, uh, the show season is ramping up. We're booking booths. We're organising ourselves for Smart Energy and all the other shows that we've talked about. And of course, we've had the SEA events. Uh, one in uh, New South Wales that was hugely successful, and two more about to happen. Um, so um, I, I, I think uh, you know, uh, show season's rocking and rolling, and let's get through these lumps and bumps of supply and demand and and uh, logistics and everything else, and um, look forward to a strong second half. Good stuff. Just pointing out on the EV thing, um, we did an interesting story um, this week, or a couple of interesting stories actually sort of um, appear on the radar. One is about the number of EV charging stations that are completely stuffed because they're not working. Um, we went through one of the charging networks um, app and found that 20 cha- different charging stations were offline, so there's a bit of an issue. I mean, there were mm. some charging stations which have been badly located, like in... Um, um, in uh, underground car parks and things like that, which doesn't work very well in the flood. Um, mm. and, but there's also been some more fundamental issues. I'm not too sure what the problem is here. Um, it seems to be getting spare parts, which is a bit of a problem, but there could be nothing more frustrating in a country where there's probably not enough EV charging stations anyway and you sort of turn up somewhere and it's not working. I mean, um, that's pretty frustrating. And... Um, yeah, and as you yeah. mentioned before, as you mentioned before, the second-hand market has just gone absolutely nuts. Um, it's gone probably nuts in the uh, in the fossil fuel car market as well, or the mechanical fart boxes, as we're instructed to call them now. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, we're encouraged to report them now, and I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. And um, yes, but um, look, you know, I think you get people just sort of selling cars for thirty thousand dollars more than they are, that, that, that then you can get them new. And the interesting bit about that is that you can't get them new. So you've got the money in it now, or wait for another year to get them and um, um, wait in the queue. So um, very interesting developments there. Yeah, it is, and I'm with you. And I, I mean, um, I, I just. Uh... It's funny. It's funny. I put a post up the other day because uh, someone had said to me, "Geez, you're not posting much about your Harley Livewire, and you haven't talked about it very much. What's going on?" And I said, "Well, you know, the funny thing is, after you've owned an electric vehicle for a while, um, and even something as um, uh, 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 as wonderful as one of the best electric motorcycles in the world, which is what the Livewire is." 
uh, after a while, it becomes normal. And that's the kind of cool thing about it. And so I kind of got to the point where I went, well, you know, I just get on it. I use it. I write it. I charge it. it you know, it's, there's, well, you know, it's become normalized to me. But, of course, um, the reality is that we are still a very, very, very tiny percentage of the overall market. And you're exactly right, Giles. You know, if I, if I go out and do a run up the north coast and try to get to one of those charge points that's essential for me to make a hop to the next one and it's not working, I'm, in, I'm sitting there for eight hours or ten hours to... And, you know, knocking on caravan park doors to try and get a, a slow charge. And, you know, that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's no fun at all. Um, but it does remind me that uh, as, as normal as it starts to feel when you own an electric vehicle and having owned a Tesla for a while yourself, now I'm sure you just go, yeah, just a car, just drive it. Now, you know, just plug it in and charge it instead of refueling it. But we are still right on the cutting edge and uh being an early yeah. adopter it does require some patience yeah well we started off um our story with um with a lady who uh, was driving up from brisbane to see some friends in the sunshine coast and um you know she's actually sort of traveled you know down to adelaide and up to the victorian ski fields and see the relatives in new south wales so never any issue um got a tesla model 3 and then um decided to want to put some extra um juice in the car to get back to brisbane um wasn't in any hurry fortunately because it turned up at one fast charging station not working turned up another fast charging station and resort not working turned up another fast charging station in um, in a car park, not working. It was down about two percent. Uh, went down to the local brewery, which had some destination charges, not working. Down to zero percent by then. Got an extension cord. The brewer sort of hooked her up, plugged her into the PowerPoint. She had lunch there while they sort of put a couple of percent in the car. Then she got down to another destination charge at another resort. Went for a swim while that sort of topped her up a bit more, so she could get to the Tesla supercharging station. And she did some shopping while that happened. So um, as she said, loves her car, but a lot of people would not want to put up with that sort of stuff. Um, she wasn't in any, any hurry and kind of almost enjoyed herself because she got to have lunch and a swim and um, do some shopping. But um, yeah, um, a lot of people would be pretty pissed off with that. Yeah, that's right. It's <coughs> sorry. It is. Uh, it is an early adopted territory, and um, until it we still... get, yeah, until we get, um, you know, the thousands more that we need, and the infrastructure in place to service them and maintain them better, and all those kinds of things, it is a challenge. It is a challenge, and I just, uh, I just uh, encourage everyone to go in, jump into an EV as soon as you possibly can, but go in with your eyes wide open and accept that. Um, you know, you, you're moving into new territory. We're breaking new ground. It's going to be a bit challenging along the way until things become normal. And uh, and then we just win every every way. Mm. We win. Mm. It's better. We win. We do. Yeah. We do. Now, Nigel, um, the, um, the, uh, the, the battery on my phone, uh, speaking about batteries, is just about to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a car kit. So I think I better wind be up this because um, on the must be Arcuda to wind it up. Just pointing out to um, as sort of Nigel sort of coughs away, cough, coughs away his COVID in the background, but um, to catch up with his great solar, great solar, great solar. Uh, apologies for that call. Obviously, didn't um, 
except my um, Do Not Disturb sign on my phone. Oh, well, there you go. Nothing's working anymore, <laughs> Nigel. But look, I catch up with uh, his great solar business interview with the Flat Earthers, um, with the Grand Mountain Solar. That was really good. Um, also, the Energy Insiders interview we did last week with um, Julie Shuttleworth. She's the CEO of Fortescue Future Industries. Just the scale and breadth of what they're doing and you know, just the amount of solar that they will build over the next 10 years is just extraordinary. And we also did an interview for the Driven podcast with Mark Bailey, uh, the Queensland Transport Minister, um, talking about some of his initiatives, in particular the fact that there's now three Labor ministers in the Queensland State Government who have um, Model 3, uh, Tesla Model 3s, and um, more to come apparently, and they just announced uh, their rebates up there. So um, interesting stuff. Nigel, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Um, look forward to seeing everyone in Sydney for Smart Energy Week. I'll be there and I won't get COVID because uh, <laughs> I'm off the hook now. I'm not too sure that's actually a scientific fact there, Nigel, but still, I think you can actually get COVID a second time, but maybe not. Well, you can, you can, but your immunity goes right up and, you know, you, it's, you, I've got, uh, I think it's 12 weeks is the word. 12 and I don't weeks. Know the numbers, but 12 weeks. They say, mate, you got, you're good as gold. Uh, you can certainly get it more than once. I wouldn't mean to imply that you couldn't. Uh, but um, well, uh, if you want to go up to see Nigel and give him a big hug, now's the time to do it. I'm up well, not right now. Not right I'm now. Not right now. No, no, no. no, no. Right. Give next it a week, week or so. <laughs> 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 We're not going to allow you in public apart from on this uh, podcast. So um, <laughs> until then. Um, uh, once you have listened to this podcast, we do advise you to wash your hands thoroughly. <laughs> and... Um, and uh, move on there and I think that's probably a really good opportunity to sort of um, end this podcast to thank our sponsors Clenergy, Sunwiz and Solar Analytics and to bid you goodbye and we'll be back again in a fortnight see you then Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy the providers of high quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility scale solar projects with in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. Offering a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers, SunWiz will help you differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware is required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.